The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. My friends were making money. I was making money. We were all making money. And I did overextend myself. Um, And with the GFC, it all came crashing down. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we talk with property tax expert, Amir Ishak. Ishak has lived an extremely well-traveled life. We follow his upbringing from growing up in Egypt to the UK to Australia. He explains the worst moment of his life when all the properties he bought plummeted to 50% in value and the best moment when his income doubled overnight. Ishak grew up with family values that focus on education and wealth. His passion for all things property came from his parents and became viable through his job as a tax specialist. I'm a property tax specialist. I work at property tax specialist. Um, I'm a principal advisor and client director. Um, And we look after people who are passionate about properties. And I'm also being passionate about properties myself. It's a very good fit for me. He shares what a typical day looks like for him. We help people with property, um, protect their assets and pay the optimum amount of tax. And I use the optimum word, not minimal, uh, because it's relevant for each person. It's, it's important for people to pay their share, fair share of tax, um, not too much and not too little. Ishak is no stranger to challenges. He's lived in many different countries and faced different obstacles in each one. So I was born in Egypt um, and lived there till I was uh, seven, uh, specifically in Cairo. And then my mother, uh, both my parents were academics. My mother um, got a PhD uh, in the UK in a city called Exeter in Devon. So I lived there from the age of seven to 14. So most of my childhood, I've still got friends there, uh, good memories. And then we moved back to Egypt, uh, studied there, uh, did university in Egypt, got my first job in Egypt and also did some studying in the US um, to get my US CPA. And then I moved to Dubai. Um, between Dubai and Abu Dhabi and I worked there for about 13 years. So I've, I've had quite a diverse. Then I moved to Australia and I've been here for about uh, eight years now. Just share with us a little bit more about your childhood. I'd be keen to know what was it like living in Egypt? My initial childhood when I was young, I don't have a lot of memories from it. It's, it's strange. Even though I left at seven, I, you know, I've got family, lots of family memories, but not a lot. Um, but moving to the UK was a big shift. I remember that. Um, I couldn't speak uh, a word of English when I moved. <laughs> so that was quite challenging. 
Um, and, you know, all, all throughout my life, I've been put in positions like that where I have to, you know, fight, struggle and continue to survive. Ishak and his sister followed their mother to the UK and she accepted an opportunity she just couldn't turn down. My mother was doing her PhD in English literature. She's a professor in the university. So she got a scholarship to do her PhD in, um, in the UK. And we, my sister and myself moved with her. My dad was working in Algeria at the time. So it was um, very interesting times. The career move paid off for her. Ishag explains that his mother is now at the top of her field. She's a professor. She's, um, she's an academic. She's a professor. Um, she's the head of the, um, you know, she's always been an academic uh, career. In, in, she's a dean now in, in one of the major universities in Egypt. It probably comes as no surprise that education was held in very high regard in the Ishak household. But things were once different for young Amir Ishak. I remember the school I went to before and I remember the first day, or um, um, my mom keeps telling me the story. The first day I went to school, we're, we're quite young in Egypt, we're about four. And my mom told me, you know, you'll go to school, they'll teach you some things, you'll eat your lunch and then you go home. So... As soon as I sat down, I ate my lunch because I wanted to go home. <laughs> and my mom was watching me through the window and like, like that story has been with me <laughs> since then. Um, and that's the kind of person I am. I just want to get things done. Just, you know, that's that job done, move on. He finished his primary education in the UK and then moved back to Egypt to start high school. I left in the last uh, year of primary. We went back to the uh, to Egypt. My mother had got her PhD. She's, I was starting to be a bit rebellious at 14. So she thought she'd get me back uh, before she loses control. I think it was a good move. Um, it was That was a real challenge, moving back from the UK back to Egypt at that age. Um, you know, having the British accent and everyone's more Americanized in, in, in Egypt. It was quite challenging in school. Um, so I had to shift my accent. I had to adapt a lot. And it's all about adapting at this age. It's all about adapting. So which one are you climbing now? A more British accent, Aussie accent or US accent? <laughs> uh, it's a confused accent. <laughs> it's a very confused accent, I would say, which, which confuses people. They can't put their finger on it. When he was old enough, his father taught him an extremely valuable lesson and also provided him with life experiences he'll remember forever. So um, after I went back to Egypt, um, I was about 14, so I did high school there um, and I also did university and after university, I got a job straight away. Um, but during university, I think one of the key things about how I got to here is my, my dad would do did something I consider very smart and I'd love to do to my kids. He'd give me $500 and a ticket to somewhere and tell me, you finish, you go, you've got school holidays, you finish the money, you come back. You work, you stay till university starts and then you come back. So I spent <clears throat> a lot of time as well working. Um, for most of the, uh, you know, everyone will be going off to the coast and things like that. I'd be traveling, um, like call it a working holiday. So it was quite interesting for me. Um, you know, in the Egyptian culture, it's not very common to do that. Um, so it's, it was quite uh, a good experience for me. I bet you're wondering where he went with the $500. The first time I went was in the second year of uni. Um, 
that was in the uh, to the US. I had a friend who was a good friend of mine. He he uh, migrated to the US, so the, the the structure would I'd find a place to stay, so I wouldn't pay, be paying accommodation with friends, and the money would just be spending money. Or if I found a job, I can continue. So, uh, in the, it's, that's a very interesting story. Coming back to think about it, because in the UK in the US that year, I was helping a guy renovate his house. And um, which fits in quite well. I didn't think of it before, but it fits in quite well. So I did a lot of painting for him. You know, I had no clue what he was doing. So under his supervision, I was just like doing bits and, you know, things around the house. And he actually had recently bought it. It was a kind of attic. It was a really good, nice house. And he got a valuation after a month uh, of doing the reno. And it heats up, I think from memory, it was about 200,000 more. Then he had paid for it. And you're talking that was in 1998. Uh, we put some walls. We, we created a couple more rooms. We, we painted it. We did, we did a lot of work. It was quite an interesting experience for me. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm assuming you got paid for it or you did it as just, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. No, 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 no. I, I, that, that's how I managed to stay three months in the US. <laughs> his airfare to the US was given to him by his father. That was my kind of passing the year gift. That was his gift to me. I either get the money and stay, squander it with my friends, or do something for a life experience. And that was his um, you know, way of teaching me the value of money. He further explains how he was able to sustain living in America. From the money I made that month, I stayed the other two months to tell you the truth and, you know, enjoyed it. Had the, had my holiday. So that, that was my strategy. It was, it's finding the right balance. Um, you can have as much money in the world, but if you don't enjoy it, you know, it's not worth much. Um, so it's finding the right balance. It's always been about that. And I, I think this was instilled at a very young age by my parents. It's... Um, it's an important value they, they, they gave me, I think. Although he had so many great memories from the trip, one stands out in particular. I went camping. I, it, it was the first kind of time for me to be away um, from my parents. So it, it was a big experience. I did a lot of traveling on my way back. I called them, just stayed in New York for five days. You know, it was, it was an interesting experience for me. Um, the following year, I went to Europe. Uh, as well and did a similar things i met some people stayed with them and went around europe so it's 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 um it helps you see different perspectives and i think understanding different perspectives has made me who i am today um it's not only coming with one point of view it's talking to people it's meeting different people and it's it's understanding what they how they think and why they think that way and that helps me understand more and has made me to who I am today, I think. With everything going on in Ishak's life, you'd assume he didn't have time for that first job at a young age. I remember I got my first job. I was quite big for my age. And I remember he got me a first job. He came home one day and told me, I got you a newspaper delivery job. And you were supposed to be like 12 to get it, and I was only nine. Uh, he just said, I just filled in the forms for you. You've got it. And I did that for a few years. So that was my first kind of first job. And I'd get to keep the money. I was the richest one of my friends because I'd get my pocket money and I had, you know, the, the, the additional money from my uh, job. So that was my actually my first job.
coming up after the break, we explore the lowest point of Ishak's life. Look, waking up in the middle of the night not being able to breathe, I would classify that as one of the lowest points in my life. The downside to living in Dubai. Look, there are a few months that you need gills to breathe. The mindset that hindered his move to Australia. And for the four years I was here, that's, I think, how I viewed it. And in hindsight, that was totally wrong. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, property investor. Is your cash or equity currently earning you 1% to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a high return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. After living in America for a year, he returned home and began traveling as much as he could with friends or sometimes alone. So I went back to Egypt to uni, another year of uni. Then the following year, I went to Europe, um, stayed in the UK for a month. Then with the money I made, I traveled Europe for, for two months. Uh, went around Europe, you know, staying either in hostels or, or by myself or with friends. Um, so that was another very interesting trip. And then that, that was the last, and I didn't travel the last year of uni. Um, worked straight after uni in Price Waterhouse at the time, got a really good job um, in accounting and audit, and just started my career from there. So tell us, what did you study at uni? So I did business uh, with an accounting major. Yeah. And obviously that led you, you know, into Price Waterhouse. Well, I started my career in audit, which is, I think, a very good place to start because it opens up the horizons. Um, so I started my career in PwC in audit during that time. You know, my parents also always used to say, well, education, because they're both academic, they, they value the education. So they, my father, you know, funded my um, trips to the US to get the US CPA because it really boosted my career. I remember he was, when, when I started working, um, I was making less than the, po- the, the the pocket money I was getting while I was at uni uh, as a grad in in, in Price Warehouse. So he kind of they, they did um, support me a lot um, throughout. Um, and after PwC uh, Price Warehouse, I I moved to um, the United Arab Emirates. I got a job in the government, which helped me study. It was you know if I if I say the details, I think people will. <laughs> will be impressed. It was a. Uh, I, I used to go to work eight thirty, finish at three thirty, and I used to get two months' holiday as an expat, sixty days a year. Ishak's life was full of so many grand things. Yet he says the small things are the ones that matter the most. And so I did that for a few years. Then I moved on. You know, in hindsight, when I look back, every single step um, got me to where I am today. Ishak travels a lot with his wife and two kids. He has made a travel schedule for himself so he gets the maximum experience out of his trip. So my view of travel is I don't sleep. When I'm traveling, I don't sleep. I try to see and absorb everything I can. 
Um, it's a lot harder since I've been married with two kids. Um, but but what I usually do is I split my day in two. The first half with them, and the second half me running around doing everything else that they don't want to see. Um, and that works well for, you know, my wife is happy, she's home, she's getting her coffee, I'm out running about, and that's, that's I think, works well for, for, for both of us. <laughs> One year, he used the money he had saved to travel through Europe with some mates. So, Europe, I was only went for a couple of months after the UK. So, with the money I made from the UK, I, I traveled Europe. Um, I went to France, stayed there for a month, went to Belgium, Holland, and just traveled around um, Europe, seeing as much as I can see and enjoying as much as I can enjoy um, during that time before going back to uni um, for, for the next year. So, that was, that was Europe. Um, but then... After that, I worked in PwC. After a couple of years in PwC, I moved to Dubai. Um, I worked for the government. Really, really nice job. Got bored (laughs) and went and did more challenging and fun stuff. Eventually, Ishak found himself living in Dubai, a city he says isn't for everyone. It's very interesting. Um, you either love it or hate it because I was there for such a long time. Um, you know, people either love it or hate it. Um, the people who love it enjoy the quality of life, this level of service, and you know, it's just a different um, level than a lot of other places in the world because everything's new and shiny. It kind of spoils the rest of the world for you because you're used to everything being shiny. Um, you know, it's when you go to Europe, everything's quite old. There's no ACs. It's you feel a difference. Um, I, I know that sounds a bit spoiled or rich, but that's 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 the reality of it. Um, they started off with a clean slate and they went very fast, very um, strongly, and I think they have achieved a lot um, in, in a very short time. Although it's flashy and new looking. There is a major downside to living in a desert city like Dubai. There are a few months that you need gills to breathe. Um, it's it's the amount of humidity. I don't think, no matter what people tell you, unless you've experienced it, it's it's a very strange feeling. Um, it's like opening the oven and just you know when the heat comes out. That's that's the kind of thing when you go out. It's it's a not a, especially people like myself who wear glasses. It's it's very annoying with the humidity so that's not the the best thing but it's there is a lot you can do there uh, there is a lot to enjoy um you're three hours away from 50 different countries um you know the the amount of travel you can do is is, is amazing you know being in australia i think that's a big shift you're flying in a plane for five hours and you're still in australia um, as opposed to being three hours you know five hours going to a different continent um, so it's that that also has you know the location is is, is central. The um, of course culturally there are differences, but you know having lived in different places, I understand that and I appreciate that. Um, some people might find it a bit confronting, but it's it's that's the way it is. Um, so yeah, it's it's a look. I I think I wasted four years in Australia wanting to go back and. You know, um, if I'd come with the mindset that I've moved to Australia, I'm going to live here, I think I could have done a lot more. 
Um, and in hindsight, that's one of the few things I kind of wasted time on. Um, that because it was such a big shift moving from there, you know, the income levels are very different. The lifestyle is very different. The travel is very different. The closeness to family is very different. So I think as a family group, our whole objective was to stay in Australia for a few years and move back. And I think that wasted four years of my life, um, looking back instead of looking forward. And as soon as I made the shift that Australia is now home, my whole perspective changed, um, you know, and it's been building momentum since then. Ishak admits that the transition between United Emirates and Australia was a big one. Look, it's um, it's a big shift, especially for us. I was very young. I was quite successful in my career. Um, you know, money is tax-free. I was making a lot of money. I was investing. I was making more money. It was a kind of very different lifestyle than uh, Australia. Even the mentality and the perspectives is, is quite different as well. Hmm. So that leads me on to ask you then, why did you move or make that decision to move to Australia? What was the turning point? The turning point, like I said, I think the decision to move to Australia was a temporary decision initially to move to Australia. I'd reached a certain level in my career where I was quite young for the positions I was holding. And to progress further, I needed different experience. So Australia was kind of the stepping stone to get me to the next level. And for the four years I was here, that's, I think, how I viewed it. And in hindsight, that was totally wrong. Um, you know, once we lived here, we loved the country. My kids love it. They call it home now. We're, we're home. It feels home. And it took me a while to forget the past and look to the future. And that shift, uh, I think, um, as soon as it happened, things started to change and go in the right direction for me. So, if Ishak moved here with the wrong mindset, what was the purpose of his relocation? I had worked in, I hadn't worked in, in um, let's say, developed country. So, I'd worked in the Middle East, I'd worked in Egypt, I'd worked. So, Western experience was a hurdle for me uh, that I had no Western experience. And that was the, the main driver to come to Australia to get the Western experience. Before he got here, he had to go through the migration process, which was a lot easier than you'd expect. I did apply and I got it, you know, they, they just changed the system and I was, because of the number of points I had, it was quite fast. Um, and my wife said, yes, so... Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, uh, you know, she'd been saying no, no, no. And then all of a sudden she said yes. So it made sense to come. And, and we made the move. And my, my kids were quite young at that time. So they weren't going to feel a big transition. Ishak takes us back to his first memories of the property world in the moment he realized how profitable the industry could be. I remember I would go with my granddad. He'd take me to church on Sunday. And after that, we'd walk. He'd, he, I used to walk. He used to, like, I was his minion. <laughs> He'd take me <clears throat> everywhere walking. Uh, he didn't have a car. He just loved walking. And I think probably that's why I love walking as well. Um, so he'd take me. He had two buildings that he'd collect rents from, that he owned. Um, and, I, and we'd go with the receipts. He'd show me how to write the receipts. And I, maybe I was five at the time. But I still remember doing that because it was so much walking for me. Um, so, so that was the first, yeah, that was the first experience, um, for me in like 
you know, in hindsight, that was kind of where it started. And then my parents also were, they always used to tell me, we save in property. So looking at my parents, both um, academics, it's not a very highly paid job, but they created most of their wealth through property. Um, so they would always buy a property, you know, in a new developing area, find the appreciation, and then they would buy the right time and sell the right time. They, they, they were really good at that. And I think that's something they um, showed me and taught me. And it's, it's, it was always good to discuss with them. Back to my first property, I was actually forced to buy my first property. Um, <clears throat> I went and, you know, I was courting my um, my wife currently, but at the time, um, <clears throat> so my father-in-law met, We he said, I want to meet you. And then he was asking me, well, do you have a house? I said, no, I live in Dubai. Why should I have a house in Egypt? Um, do you have this? Do you have that? So, you know, all the standards that have to be met. Um, and I was kind of taken aback. And at the end, it, he said, sorry, you know, not good enough. <laughs> So, yeah, it was um, a bit of a kind of wake-up call. So during that trip, because I had two months of holidays, I bought, I went, searched, and bought an apartment um, just so that box tick kind of thing. Um, not because I saw it as an investment. I saw it as something I needed for my next time because I felt so bad. <laughs> so that was my first property. Um, it was a very good look. In hindsight, I did marry his daughter. I did get that from her. So um, I kind of, you know, persistence, I think, is a common theme in, in, in my life. I'm quite persistent. But I did um, buy that apartment and it's done quite well for me. So that was my first actual property that I buy with my own money. Can I just ask a little bit, culturally, is that something that's sort of expected within Egyptian culture before you get married? Yes, it is. I, I Look, it's different. There are cultures and subcultures and it's quite complex when you, you know, but there are, yes, the, 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 there are certain things that the man gets and certain things that the woman gets and the, the usually the house is on the man. The first part of starting any development is securing the down payment. So, how did Ishak manage? After my job with the government, I went and worked with a financial institution in Dubai which is a subsidiary of one of the largest developers there. Um, so my, I was on a very high salary and it almost doubled overnight. So I had a lot of cash. I had a lot of access to funding and I had a lot of access to opportunities. And that's when everything clicked. Um, <clears throat> having said that, um, the first property I saw as an opportunity, I didn't have enough to buy it. <laughs> but what I did was I had a lot of good friends who trusted me and I trusted them. And we pooled our money together to buy that opportunity. Um, and it did quite well for, for us at the time. Although Dubai has many restrictions when it comes to development, he still managed to develop his first property. In Dubai, you don't have access to development sites as much unless it's really big scale. It was just units and it was flipping. And in hindsight, um, I, I did buy a lot of properties because I had access to funding. I had access to 
really good deals. I had access to, I had a really good network. Um, so I was buying a lot. I was, you know, aggregating and, you know, my friends were making money. I was making money. We were all making money. And I did overextend myself. Um, and with the GFC, it all came crashing down. Um, it was lack of experience, mostly. Um, and a feeling that I can do this. I think it was, you know, I was quite young, inexperienced um, during that process. Um, <clears throat> but it was an eye-opener for me. Um, I, you know, I... I was always telling my wife, as long as I can keep my nose above water, because I was in deep negative equity at the time. House prices, some of the properties I owned went down 50%. Um, yeah, it was it was very painful. But I had sold a lot just before it hit. So I was relatively cashed up. So I managed to survive it, like I told her. And, and as soon as the property would break even, I'd, I'd get rid of it. And um, I managed to clear everything uh, just before I moved to Australia. Although he was loving his lifestyle, the drastic hit he took during the GFC affected him. Look, waking up in the middle of the night not being able to breathe, I would classify that as one of the lowest points in my life. But having said that, in the middle of that, I remember I sat with my wife and I told her, look, it was really bad and really tough situation for both of us. But I told her, if I can survive this and I put goals, I remember... At that time, I told her, look, I want to buy my, I, you know, I, I said, I want to buy a Mercedes. It's convertible. I want to do this. I want to do that. In the middle of, you know, I was in deep in debt and, you know, having the, the focus and working hard, luck, everything just combined. And I did, you know, a few years later, I went back when I moved to Australia, I found that list of my objectives and things I wanted to do. And almost every single one of them on that list was ticked off, including moving, getting Western experience. <laughs> In a future episode of Property Investory, We'll continue the conversation with Amir Ishak and explore what he would have done differently. I think I wouldn't have exposed myself so so much to property. Um, I had maybe 12 properties at the time. Um, a lot of them were still under construction. Um, projects fell over. We explained how research led him to a great investment decision. That property went up, you know, 300,000 since then. We also hear a recent achievement he's proud of. I've just been nominated as um, Property Tax Accountant of the Year for the Australian Accountancy Awards. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short 6 months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. 
With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.